Are you living your dreams? Want to create a life you love but don't know how to begin? Lifestyle coach and personal growth expert Cynthia Bryan has jump-started the lives and careers of clients for over two decades with her signature star-style consultations with personalized sessions by phone or in person. You'll turn your passions into profits. Visit www.cynthiabryan.com or call 925-377-STAR. That's cynthiabryan.com or call 925-377-7888. Cynthia Bryan is your guide on the side. www.cynthiabryan.com You can be the star you are. You have a plan for your life. You've set goals. You know where you want to go. Congratulations on finding Star Style. Be the star you are. Our vibrant hosts, passion, purpose, and possibility producer Cynthia Bryan and her energetic daughter, healthy living specialist Heather Brittany, share the best roads, fastest detours, and successful strategies for a life worth living. Reach your potential with their personal achievement coaching, miracle moments, inspiring guests, titillating interviews, and business bites. Be introduced to new books and innovative ideas that encourage you to live a positive, sustainable lifestyle while achieving your dreams. Ignite your power, make a difference in the world, and shoot for the stars. It's the power hour of living, loving, laughing, and learning. On Star Style, be the star you are. Lend us your ears. The party starts now. It is the power hour here on Star Style, be the star you are. Hello, play partners. I'm Cynthia Bryan. And I'm Heather Brittany. And you are listening to us on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Our goal, as always, is to see, stimulate, and support space for positive, meaningful conversations. We want to get you talking around that dinner table because we are a show about heart and soul, inspiring and motivating and helping you to greatness. The Miracle Moment for today is brought to you by Star Style Productions, coaching you for speaking, writing, and acting. The world we have created is a product of our thinking. It cannot be changed without changing our thinking. And that is from Albert Einstein. And I have a second one that I wanted to um, do too because I've been just, I've been doing my gardening writer. And I love it. It's from Thomas Jefferson. It says, I might be an old man, but I'm a young gardener. I think I think that's a good one because no matter how much we ever learn in life, what I take from take away from that quote is no matter how much we think we know, we're we are always learning. We are always growing, and we have to think about that. Well, we've got a really super show for you today. A real a really great guest coming up in segment two. If you remember the international best-selling book Roots and the the mega successful miniseries and movie Roots, The Next Generation, by Alex Haley. His collaborator and wife, Dr. Mai Haley, will be with us with her new book, The Treason of Mary Luvestra. And in segment three, we're going to talk about how you can become a philanthropist, whether you have just a little bit of money or uh, or a lot, and how you can make a difference in the world. And coming up right now is something that 
we talk about, but I don't know if we know what it's all about. And that is, we're going to talk about hypertension and high blood pressure with our Health Matters Specialist, Heather Brittany. But before we do that, I just want to make two announcements. First of all, September 28th is the Pear and Wine Festival, and the Be The Star You Are booth is sponsored by the La Mirinda Weekly newspaper, which we have many of our Be The Star You Are teen writers that write for that, as well as I've been writing for it for almost six years. So we want you to stop by and pick up some complimentary potpourri and meet myself and meet the team. And then don't forget in October, the 10th Annual National Essay Contest, sponsored by U.S. Bank, will be happening. And I love the theme this year. It is what to what it is to be an American. You can check out both events either at btsya.com under events, or you can go to starstyleradio.com and look under events. So please check those two out and get involved. Well, almost 20% of adult Americans have high blood pressure. It's also known as hypertension. And most of these people don't even know they have it. And what you don't know can kill you. So Heather Brittany is here to tell us about the symptoms, the risks, the diet, the exercise, the controls. And, uh, you know, lowering your blood pressure could mean it saves your life. So, Heather, what are the symptoms of hypertension, also known as high blood pressure? Yeah, well, something to begin with is a lot of times when you go to the doctor, they take you know your vitals, your height, your weight, um, and your blood pressure. And a lot of times, you know, they we might ask, it's only if they say something of, "Wow, this is really high," or you know, "Is it really low?" You know, "Are you feeling okay?" Do we ever really know what our blood pressure is? And a lot of times. Um, you know, we call it white coat syndrome. When you go to a doctor's office, there's something very nerve-wracking about being there. You're afraid they're going to tell you bad news or, or just being in that kind of uh, atmosphere. It gives us an elevated blood pressure. It makes our heart beat, uh, beat a lot faster. For the most part, we don't really think about our blood pressure and how important that is in, with our health. And uncontrolled blood pressure can lead to, um, you know, devastating heart problems. You know, uh, sorry, just overall health problems. Stroke, heart attack, heart failure, even kidney disease. And something that we may not realize is a lot of us can have family history of high blood pressure where it can lead to hypertension, which, again, can lead to these bigger things. So, Now, does that mean that one of the most important things we can do is to talk to our families and kind of get a history of what has happened in our families, if that's at all possible? Yeah, well, I think, you know, I mean, is that sometimes things, the the biggest thing when it kind of comes into, and we'll go into, you know, how there really isn't symptoms there, say, um, is getting your family history. There's, it's always important to know if something does run in your family. That doesn't necessarily mean that you will, in fact, get it because something is hereditary or it tends to be a trend. Um, a lot of times what can cause high blood pressure is your lifestyle. And, and as, you know, as we, you know, we further in society, we're becoming more, um, sedentary, that we don't move as much, that we're eating different things, and that's affecting us. But kind of getting into what are symptoms of hypertension or high blood pressure, for the most part, there is no symptoms. It isn't something that, you know, you notice that you're getting a runny nose. But for the most part, you know, high blood pressure, if it's something that's happening over time, if it isn't just um, a particular, you know, a nerve-wracking incident, I like going to the doctor for some time, um, things that can be, you know, things might be chest pains, shortness of breath, vision changes, nosebleeds, those are also things that we always note regarding heart attack and stroke because these are things affecting your heart. 
Um, same thing, you know, that we always celebrate each month, you know, each, or each, yeah, exactly, each month, I feel, and each year, there's, uh, separate months that are, uh, dedicated to, you know, this is for prostate cancer, breast cancer. Well, a big thing that they always, always talk about is heart disease, how heart disease is the number two killer in women. But men and women are equally at risk, um, for this. There's different things that can affect people. Same with other diseases is, um, you know, your your race, your color. But for the most part, um, African-American adults um, are more at risk than Caucasians and Hispanics. And that's something that, you know, that's just been noted um, before. But, uh, but again, you know, that, that there's so many different um, health things that affect us just in that. So one thing we're talking about when we go into the doctors and we don't really understand what's happening, there's two things. Um, there's usually a number that's on top and the number that's on the bottom. Um, something that an optimal, you know, health that we say is 120 over 60. But a doctors will allow it to go up to 120 over 80. When things are kind of beginning in the danger range is when that is elevated, um, excuse me, and it's elevated up to 140 and over. So 140 over 90 is when our danger zones. And after working in healthcare, I remember there'd be times people I would have to recheck things because I thought like, what this this can't be possible. This person should basically be having a heart attack. Someone would have 160 over 110, meaning your heart is working so hard to pump blood into it. And that's something, you know, the, the higher, so there's the two things, are the diastolic and the celastic. One is measuring um, how many heartbeats and one is the pressure that's going into it. And again, so there's outside factors um, that can affect it, but for the most part, it's really our lifestyle um, that continues things. So it isn't a one-time thing. Things that elevate and that affect your heart are sodiums, uh, salt. That's why a lot of times they recommend to people that to reduce their salt intake because it's absorbing, it's causing um, pressure on your heart. However, there's always the counter um, act with everything is that certain people, if they're on a restrictive low-salt diet, that can actually affect their heart negatively. So as we always try to advocate here is any time before you start any kind of health regimen, I know a lot of times, you know, we see things on the news, I mean, I'm going to do gluten-free, fat-free, sugar-free, um, always talk with your healthcare provider because there might be an underlying condition that they may be aware of that they haven't discussed with you or that you may be aware of and you may not know um, the possible adverse effects by you doing certain things um, regarding your diet. Um, another thing, too, is lifestyle changes otherwise, um, to help you with your blood pressure is just get out there and be active. Um, so many people out there, as I said, we live today in these desk jobs. We're sitting all day. We're not taking the time. We're not running around. So just sitting is putting our heart. It's, it's creating fatty tissue. It's making our heart work harder, just sitting. So Well, so it's really a lifestyle issue for so many of us, I think. I think the computer... Sitting by the computer has done that to us. What do you think? Oh, completely. And you know, and and that's something again is just how people say, well, you know, this was never in my family, or you know, I feel like a very much when they do a lot of these studies now, and they have information based on thirty, fifty, a hundred years ago. Well, it's a completely different lifestyle, and it's the food we're eating too. We always talk about even healthy food from the most part. A lot of things are highly processed. 
And when looking at labels, what I was trying to get into uh, before, is a lot of times you, you always want to look at the percentage, you know, the serving size. Sometimes we may look, oh, 100 calories for this bag of chips, but there's 20 servings in there, so it's not really serving as well. Um, is looking at the sodium and looking what the daily intake is supposed to be. A lot of times, sodium is something, you know, that isn't really talked about that often. So people are always, you know, first it was the calories, now people look at fats or the sugar. Um, but when it comes to sodium, some things have more, for example, you know, top ramen, those cup of no- those refried, uh, noodles basically will have twice the amount of your daily serving of sodium in it. So that's an entire, it's a very high impact thing. And something like that is really high on your body. Um, something too, you know, as like of checking your own blood pressure. If it's available, you could go to, um, you know, your CVS or your local kind of a pharmacy. They sell at-home blood pressure kits. Um, sometimes people that have been noted with having high blood pressure, your doctor, you can even pick it up at, you know, your hospital or doctor's pharmacy in their office there. But they're rather um, inexpensive, almost like getting a scale. Um, something I, I always kind of have to say is, though, similar to a scale, I think people should not be doing it every day and, and hung on it. And a lot of times these electronical ones um, are slightly off. So you might do it, do it again, and get a completely different rating. The best readings are manual. Yet the kind of the little asterisk with that is there can be human error. So if there's ever a time you go to your doctor's office and they do your blood pressure, and if it's extremely high, you know, if you're feeling nervous, let them know, you know, that you just need to calm down a little, have them do it a couple times, um, and then also request to have it man, to have not only manually, but also electronically to see what the difference, because sometimes a person could be wrong or a machine could be wrong. Um, if it's still really high, then speak with your doctor about that. Sometimes if it's something, they might have you come back to reread it again. Um, other lifestyle things, you know, the, the view is always out, the verdict is always out when it comes to our consumption of things. One thing that um, is surprising is that alcohol as well as con- uh, caffeine can affect us. I know a lot of times that's an excuse. When I was working in clinic, people's um, blood pressure would be very elevated, and they say, oh, well, I had some coffee. And the truth is coffee does not really affect. It's going to affect your heart rate but not your blood pressure. And unless now that's an interesting fact because I think people get the two of those confused. Yeah, so that's something you know. It's sometimes you know we run, we're nervous. You you put your hand to your chest and you feel your heart literally beating out of your chest. Um, That's your heart beat. That's not the blood, the pressure that's going into. And a lot of times, if you just take time to calm down your heartbeat will go down. I know something that kind of uh, brought this to my attention. I was getting taking my dog to a vet, and, it, you know, I think uh, all rescue dogs have rescue syndrome, the fact. As soon as you take them out of their comfort zone, especially into a sterile environment, they get nervous. They don't know where they are. And when I went to get her these shots, the vet called her, and, I, and they went to take her heartbeat, and I said, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. She's so nervous. And you could feel, I mean, our hands were shaking. Her heart was beating. And so she just had me hold her and say, oh, you know, just go, give her a minute, she'll calm down. And as soon as her breathing calmed down and then, you know, her heartbeat calmed down. So similar with us, a lot of times if someone, if someone was to be running, their heart might be beating out of their chest, but because based on their lung capacity taking slow breaths, their blood pressure may still be very low. Um, on sort of the 
opposite side of yeah, it. Yeah, what it's about also, alcohol, Heather? What about Oh, like, sorry, that's what I was about to get into as I handed it off there. Um, yes, yeah, so as it is that we're still, doctors are still in support and there's many things out about, you know, having that glass of wine every day is good for your blood pressure. Um, but again, excessive drinking can contribute to hypertension because what those things again are doing are creating fatty tissue around the arteries, around your heart. It's going a lot of times if people, what happens they drink excessively, they pass out, they're, they're breathing really heavy. That's really hard on your heart. And that's something, too, that if you have a partner, someone that you may be possibly concerned about, heavy breathing at night may be that there's fatty tissue around the heart and making it hard in their lungs for them to breathe. So something a lot of times people might not be aware, you know, if they're snoring or something at night, but it's something if you become aware or talk with your partner See if they've discussed this with their doctor. Um, there's so many medications out there right now with, um, you know, lowering uh, cholesterol, and that's that's actually another big thing. Is cholesterol can lead um, to hypertension, to high blood. Now we're running out of time. We're in our last two minutes, so I want to know: Can any damage that people have can it be reversed? Yeah. Well, you know, the big thing is. Almost all things can be reversed unless it's very severe. The biggest thing is life changes. Um, first off, stop smoking. Smoking is a very highly um, leader of high blood pressure. Limit your alcohol consumption and get out there and move. The more active you are, the healthier you are for your overall body as well as your heart and your lungs. Your heart is the most important muscle in your body and it's controlling everything in there. So just get out there, be active, and be mind conscious of what's going into your body. That way you can help reduce um, your blood pressure. Another thing is limiting stress. We all try to say we want a stress-free life. We know that's impossible. But allowing yourself a good amount of time each day to laugh, to play, to help to reduce your stress. So no, it's very that, interesting, oh. Heather, because all of those things that you just said, although they will, you know, reduce and help, uh, any symptoms of high blood pressure or hypertension, they're actually just good rules for living. When you, If you do all of those things, you stop smoking, you limit your alcohol intake, you exercise, you reduce your stress, you play more, you laugh more, you know, you have good relationships. Basically, that just makes life good all the way around and makes you healthy. So, great segment. Go ahead and give out the website. Most definitely. We want you to go to BeTheStarYard.com as well as BeTheStarYard.org. And when we return from break, we're going to go back to Roots with the widow and collaborator of the 1976 spectacular book sensation, Roots. It's Dr. Mai Haley as she discusses her newest book, The Treason of Mary Louvestra. My name is Cynthia Bryan. And I'm Heather Brittany. And you're listening to Star Style, Be the Star You Are. Stay with us. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. Be the star you are. Light up the flame that burns. Low literacy and poor communication skills have been identified in studies as major contributors to general conduct disorders, psychiatric disorders, criminal behavior, and adolescent suicide. To live and prosper in this society, we must be lifelong learners with access to knowledge and skills that can sustain our lives at work, at home, and in our communities. 
Be the star you are. 501c3 Charity has been working to increase literacy and improve positive message programming since 1999. You can help by making a tax-deductible donation today. Visit www.bethestarur.org. Everybody counts. www.bethestarur.org. Be the lucky star you Get autographed copies of New York Times bestselling author Cynthia Bryan's books at www.starstyleradio.com. Get inspired and motivated to be your best self with Be The Star You Are, 99 Gifts, and Be The Star You Are for Teens. Buy cases at a deep discount to give away as gifts and premiums. Visit www.starstyleradio.com or call 925-377-STAR. 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 Get your headphones and tune in to enlightening interviews with acclaimed authors and success experts as our Oprah of the Airwaves, Cynthia Bryan, gabs with the gurus. Lend us your ears for the Power Hour on Star Style. Be the star you are. Now, here's Cynthia Bryan. Find all you need in a We know you have a plan for your life. You've set goals. You know where you want to go. And there's always detours. But that's where we come in here at Star Style. Be the star you are. By bringing you the authors, the experts, and the books that inspire, entertain, and motivate you. We want you to ignite your power and shoot for the stars and, of course, land on them. My name is Cynthia Bryan. I'm your personal growth host here, and you're listening to Star Style. Be the star you are on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Well, no other conflict in the history of the United States has profoundly changed our society more than the political and social impact of the American Civil War, also known as the War Between the States or simply the Civil War. This bloodiest of encounters of Americans against Americans happened between 1861 and 1865. It was the North against the South. But it did bring us the 13th Amendment banning slavery, the 14th Amendment granting citizenship to everyone born in the USA, the 15th Amendment giving all male citizens the right to vote regardless of race, But it also brought us some negative things, like the Ku Klux Klan and the Jim Crow laws, mandating racial segregation in all public facilities with that supposedly separate but equal status. The late Pulitzer Prize-winning author Alex Haley chronicled his ancestors' origins in Africa and their passage from slavery to freedom in America in his mega-best-selling international book and miniseries, Roots. His collaborator on that international phenomena was his wife, Dr. Mai Haley, who returns to the Civil War era with her newest novel, The Treason of Mary Levestra, based on a true story of a seamstress who risks everything, including her life, to bring copies of plans from a modified Confederate ship to the Secretary of State in Washington, D.C. Welcome, Dr. Haley, to Star Style, Be the Star You Are. Hello, how are you? I am doing so here. well, and thank you so much for joining us. It's such an honor to have you here on the show. Thank you for asking me. Well, we're <laughs> going to start off with the obvious question that I know all our listeners want to know is, 
how you begun your collaboration with the late Alex Haley and what was doing all that research and working on roots. What was the effect on you? What was it like? Well, um, my connection with Alex was my feeling of doing my destiny because I had graduated my Ph.D., and I was doing what I was supposed to do, which was um, inter interview around the country with uh, different colleges and whatnot. And um, it just didn't feel right. I just, I really wanted to work with Alex, especially after I heard his riveting talk when he came to our campus. And so I had sent out my resume to him and I hadn't gotten a response back, but I was waiting and waiting and everybody was asking me, have you lost your mind? Why aren't you responding to these other schools? I'm waiting and waiting for, and so what happened was, I just fell into this kind of deep, deep depression. I just thought, now, wait a minute. I know what I'm supposed to be doing. My faith is directing me. But all of these people are losing their faith in me, right? So I retreated to my mom's garage where I just did nothing but work on this old rusty bike. But every Sunday, my mother would have some special person come to Sunday dinner. And this particular Sunday, this little priest stuck his head around the corner and he said hello and he looked like you know this kind of moon face above a ginger jar that was his shape <laughs> and he was he just as sweet as he can be and he beckoned me in you know to come to the dinner table now you know I didn't want to talk to anybody I mean I was invested in my depression right and so I'm sitting at the table and he turned to me and he pointed and he said you must go on this next interview. Well, I was thinking, well, how did he know about this? Because nobody knew about that. I didn't even tell my mother. He said, you go upstairs right now and call your whoever you need to call and accept it. And I said, no. He said, yes, do it now. And he was so emphatic. I went upstairs and I called. All the arrangements were made. I went to University of uh, Colorado Boulder. And uh, they had sent me um, a notice to come and, you know, interview as their chair for African-American studies. And I was I was giving them this speech, this rousing speech, telling them all the progressive ideas. I got halfway through, and I just stopped. And I said, no, let me tell you what I really wanted to, to, want to do. And for the next 45 minutes, I gave them every reason not to hire me. I told them every reason I wanted to work with Alex Haley. And so after I finished, I just, you know, I just kind of, you know, scampered toward the the end of the hall, you know, thinking, oh, my God, let me just kind of scuttle my way out of here. You know, um, I was disappointed in myself and everything. And this woman was trailing me, this very pleasant-faced woman. And she said, wait, can we please talk? And I'm thinking, no, I just want to go home. She said, but I know Alex Haley. I practically took the woman's arm out of joint. We went out, and and she said, I will make sure that he gets your resume. So it was right after that that uh, I found out the reason he hadn't gotten my resume was that Alex went out on the ocean for two, three months at a time on a freighter to write. And so he hadn't even received my resume. So we connected. He sent me an 
a telegram saying, please come to Jamaica so we can talk. I was thrilled. At the same time, the same day, the, the mail just before I received that had come um, an offer to come to Harvard University uh, to uh, to work there. I had received a letter from President Bach. I thought, oh, my God, they could pay me. I was already working as the first black woman intern at Ohio State and for the uh, vice president of business, executive vice president there, and he said, just don't worry about it. So I went to Jamaica. Now, you know, it is sometimes awesome to confront something that you have dreamed about. I waited until everybody else got off that that Air Jamaica flight. It's and scary also. It's scary to meet it your dream. It was. It was. And there he was waiting for me. And I said, oh, my God. We had a 45-minute drive from Montego Bay where I landed to Negril where he had a little cottage on the beach. And we talked about writing, and we talked about destiny, we talked about, you know, metaphysics, we talked about, you know, everything, everything, our grandmothers, everything. Did you feel like you had an instant connection with him? Because obviously this, you were pulled to work with him after hearing him speak. I, I felt that I was, yes. And, I, and by the time I got to, to Negril, um, we had a, a nice lunch, and he said, uh, let me show you my office. Well, I looked in his office. I was astonished, just from floor to ceiling practically, with all these stacks and stacks of not only um, uh, his research material, but draft work. He only worked in goldenrod paper, and just this, these stacks of gold. I said, oh, my God. He had been working for 12 years, and he had only finished the first third of Roots, and everybody in the world was mad at him. The producers were mad at him because he wasn't getting copy. His publisher was mad at him because he, he, he had missed every deadline. His ex-wives were even mad at him because they couldn't find him. I mean, it was it was just amazing. I said, let's go to work. Eighteen months later, we finished Roots. I walked it into Doubleday in the midst of one of the worst snowstorms in New York with that copy underneath my arm, but it was done. Oh, what a, he, an amazing relief that must have felt. And what and was it could, like he, for you when, well, first of all, you guys got married in, what, 1977 then, right? So it was, right. and Roots came out 76. I believe, 1976. Um, it was published 75. The miniseries came out the year after that. Yeah, yeah, so the book was 75 and the miniseries was 76. So once Root hit that world acclaim, how did you feel? I mean, it changed your lives forever. Well, it really did. But, you know, when we were sitting on the veranda in Jamaica um, and we were finishing Roots, and I, I just felt the ground shift, and I said, Alex, this is going to be big. And he said, yeah, 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 uh-huh. I said, you better get ready. Okay, yeah. It was sort of like the attitude was like, you know, wake me up when it starts kind of thing. I said, you better get ready. I said, this is going to be really big. And so when we moved to Los Angeles and it started, he said, how did you know? I said, I just felt it. I just, you know, I just knew. In the well, it's almost that like I- you knew it when you, I mean, 
it's almost like you get these gut instincts. Maybe it's a woman's intuition, but the whole fact that you knew you wanted to work with him after just hearing him speak, you know, that you were, you were putting off incredible jobs at Harvard and, and then you went to Colorado and you meet a woman. It's not all circumstantial. Things, you know, things happen for a reason. And it's really wonderful that you really made your dreams come true. So then, you know, having worked so long on Roots, you must have had a really good feeling that this was something special. It was something that the world needed to know. Well, actually, it had started It had started before when I was counseling kids who were coming into my office with these dog-eared copies of the autobiography of Malcolm X, and all of us had been impressed with that one section in particular where Malcolm decided to reinvent himself. And, and that asked, was an Alex Haley book, too, by the way. That was, was his big, It was, big and, book. and it was where Malcolm had asked the jailer to give him a dictionary, and he started with the word aardvark, and he decided to reinvent himself and learn a new vocabulary, a new language for when he left there so that he would be a new person. You know, and these kids who came from poor areas in Ohio, just like I did, said, well, if Malcolm could get that low and build himself, so can we. So it had started back then. Well, and this is exactly what Roots did, is it built people back up. Now, let's fast forward to today, and you have released The Treason of Mary Louvester, which is based on a true story. And this took you many, many years of researching, although you novelized it. I mean, just as Roots, you know, has characters, et cetera. But it's such a fascinating story of Thank this, <laughs> of this slave who was, uh, adopted, literally was like part of a, a white family. Although as you get into the book, you realize that when you're a slave, you're really never part of the family, no matter how right. much they treat you. And, you know, in reading The Treason of Mary Levester, all I could keep thinking is the cruelty of humanity against other humans. It doesn't seem to end. We don't, history just keeps repeating itself over and over again. Tell us about your journey in writing this. And also, I'd really love to know about the true person because this Mary, what stamina, what courage, what, um, inventfulness, you know, a heart. She just really had all the characteristics of a true hero. Well, um, Mary came to me um, in the early 70s. I had been talking to Alex about the fact that, you know, I wanted to write a book about a woman of substance that I really connected with. I mean, you know, and, it, you know, it's just replete, you know, with wonderful women that I could have written about. But, you know, you have to live with that character for so long. I wanted to be somebody that connected with my marrow. And his master researcher for Roots, George Sims, was like a mole in the Library of Congress, and he was the one who found a little squib about Mary. And uh, I, I read it, and, and I was interested, but I had all of these other projects for Alex that I had to do. So I had to lay Mary aside for quite a long time. It really didn't happen until, you know, when Alex died in 92, I thought, well, maybe it's the time to unbox Mary. But life was, had not finished with me yet. Um, I had not grown into Mary, even though I grew up with women of her courage, stamina, determination, strength, vision, and all of that, and authority, authority in the world. Um, I 
I had to commit in a way that I had not, you know, that faith makes us commit to. I mean, if you really are working your faith, it makes you commit to a whole other level. And so what happened was every single member of my family died of cancer. And going through that experience with each one of them, excuse me, I didn't hear you. It's a tragic, that's a tragic experience. It's a very challenging painful, difficult death, and to have your whole family go that way. It's Each and every like one of them. And when, and when my youngest brother, who died in his 40s, um, died of um, of cancer, uh, it was like um, I knew that courage. I had walked that courage. I had been there to the edge. I, you know, I knew it to the absolute marrow of my bones that connected me with all those women on Greenway Street where I grew up who had decided that our lives, the young people on that street, that our lives were going to be different. They made us walk differently, think differently, believe differently, all of that. I mean, it connected me with all of that, but with a new courage and authority that was exponential of that and one day I sat down and wrote Mary in six months. If she was ready to come. You wrote the whole thing in six months. That this uh, had to have taken a lot. That's an, that is so quickly. It's a lot of research though that had to have gone into this before because it is based on a true story. That's, so, that's correct. But you see, all of that had been taken in. I mean, all of that I'd been reading the history. You know, I knew the context. I knew all of that. What was important was for me to know Mary down to my DNA and to be able to walk in those shoes. Not just walk them, but, but be, to be in with those her. shoes. So, yeah. Be in Did you shoes. feel like you were actually Mary? Because You're right. I, I couldn't help it when I was reading the book. I kept, you know, thinking, oh, my is Mary. <laughs> that was the transformation. And so it happened. that's and, what and happened. And that comes across. So that's what happened. And so when my day starts as a writer at 4 a.m. every morning, and so I would just simply get up, and those characters would be right there and ready to talk to me, and I just simply sat down and wrote. And and six months later, there it was. Now, the real Mary, did she actually grow up in a family, a white family, as like part of the family? Was she actually a seamstress that was, you know, that was really the toast of the town? No. Well, the, 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 the sketch, there were two sketches. One was that she was a slave and that she was a seamstress and that, you know, she was a slave growing up in the Levester house. And, and the rest of it was that she got the plans of the Merrimack to the north. The, that was one sketch. The other sketch was that she was a free woman and that she was married. And I chose not to go that route. I wanted to tell the life of a, quote, you know, a privileged slave in this household and what that must have been like and the decision, you know, to what well, she wanted more than anything to be able to control her own destiny, that she wanted to be a fashion designer and um, to to be able to get to that point where um, she was so recognized that nobody was going to sell her off to the South, you know, to become, you know, some some 
slave in in, in the cotton fields, and she would not know that terror. And to realize that under the conditions of slavery at that time, that was never going to to happen. That's um, that's the point. That's the part I find is so fascinating of the direction you took in the treason of Mary Louvestre. For those of you who are just joining us, we are speaking with Dr. Mai Haley. She is the author of The Treason of Mary Louvestre and was a collaborator with Alex Haley on the best-selling book, Roots, and uh, and obviously many other projects with him. So you have, let's talk about that, Dr. Haley. Is if If something like what happened to Mary, the fact that she was a very privileged slave, she was admired by one and all, and she really believed to her soul that she would gain her freedom and never have to struggle, basically, because of her talents, and she, all she had to do was prove herself and then have her house of M, you know, her design studio. But the reality was, if you were a slave... The, the people who owned you could do anything to you. And that's what transpired. I mean, her father is sold off. She has all these good friends who were wonderful, dedicated servants of these wealthy people. Yet, you know, they are persecuted and some of them killed. And they, we have the bad sheriffs and the deputies. It seems like the law in those days was more like the devil. They certainly were not law people. They, it was very, very segregated and very, very racist. Well, it was, the law was quite arbitrary as, at that time and, and how it was doled out. But what I wanted to also demonstrate was that the Louvesters were good people. They loved her, and she loved them. And um, up until the time of the Civil War, where everything was changing and causing people to make other decisions, they were people who were making decisions to be very helpful in her future. It was only when the war was causing them to make personal decisions for their own survival that they had to deal with that, and, and unfortunately, those decisions affected Mary in a very negative way. And it that's what I found that so sad, though, because they had treated her like she was a member of the family until the Civil War started, and they, the, that family, the Louvestre, Simeon, and Tess Lucian, they started becoming... Um, you know, they became worried about their not only their safety, but they wanted a higher position and more power and the senatorial seat and be the wife of this and that. But it was like giving up your own child. They were willing to sacrifice her freedoms so that they could get ahead. And that, to me, is what showed the difference between being a free person and a slave, no matter how well she was treated as, as a young person. Well, Mary came to understand that um, she had a glass ceiling, and um, the, 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 the war was causing the Louvesters, who really cared about her, to make decisions about themselves and for themselves. And unfortunately, those decisions affected her in a very negative way. And... Um, so she also realized that if anything happened to the Levesters, they were her buffer. And so she could be sold south at any time. 
Um, so she had two things that really hit her very hard, was that they were making decisions that were for them, not necessarily against her, but for them. And then um, in, in addition to that, uh, she realized that she really was not going to be control, uh, in control of herself in this particular self at this time. And so she made a decision that being in this circumstance, that maybe she was being called upon to do something. It was like, if I weren't here, then um, somebody else would have to be making this these decisions. I'm here, so I have to make this decision. Do I do nothing? Do I allow things to just go on and hope for the best? Or do I copy these plans and see if I can bring about a better self in some way? I mean, in, in so doing, that meant that she was giving up everything that she had or hoped for under those circumstances. That's a big thing for any of us to consider, together with the fact that today you're an average person, a seamstress who is popular and, you know, with, with certain hopes for tomorrow, but tomorrow you're a spy. You're a spy, and anything you do is treason. And the fact that she trekked over 200 miles in the snow and the winter, you know, in the clothes that she had to hide away in those days. Now, were the other characters that you created, were any of these characters a part of history, or were these characters like Cooley, were these just characters that, you know, helped to move the story, Bear and Cecilia and, and um, uh, Daddy A.B. and Ms. Effie and all those, were, these, were any of these characters actual living people? They were not. Those characters helped to, t- those characters came out of history of, uh, at that time. They represented a part of that history that um, I wanted to tell. And uh, they were there. They were not under those names. But those characters lived under all sorts of names. Do you understand? Yes, it's a compendium, a compendium of characters. And I think this is what is so beautiful about this book, The Treason of Mary Louvestra by Mai Haley, it, it really paints a picture of what it was like to be a slave in the South or to be a person of color living in the South during these trying times of the Civil War and w- w- how difficult it was really for everyone involved. And it was, it was very frightening. I mean, especially this little area of Norfolk, Virginia, was very isolated before the war and seemed to, that everybody got along. But once the war started, it uh, became a whole different thing. Well, let's send people to your website. Uh, before we do, uh, yes. let's add one other thing. It was not, you know, in, in the book, it, it was not, it was not dreary. It was not like, um, you know, an attitude, a ball and chain of history. I mean, you laugh. So those characters are funny. 
they enjoyed, they had fun. Do, do you know, I mean, Ke- uh, Cooley was what, feisty. Oh, she she's so funny. cute. And how about Devereaux? I love the Devereaux, way he said, hey, I mean, my really, gosh, I, mean, I loved him. It, you know, I mean, G was funny. I mean, uh, they were all a part of, of the times, you know. They just, uh, they eked out and sucked, you know, every bit of what was what was history during that time. And they were just flat out funny people. And, you know, I think it also shows that there were, as you were, were just pointing out, too, there were lots and lots of good times. I, I think that the really? war changed so much, but there were lots of good times that all of the people, no matter where you were from, that you were able to enjoy yourself. Absolutely. I mean, could you have not had more fun at one of Rogie's dinner parties? Oh, I would have loved it. I wanted. I wanted to go to uh, to Cooley's um, establishment oh, the fashion show and pull up. Yeah, I wanted to I pull mean, up in the bar there. It sounded the like do? that was a pretty fun place. I mean, didn't she do the do? I mean, she. I mean, she pranced to the edge of the stage, and oh my gosh! Yeah. I mean, she she was all into it, you know. <laughs> so, have you written the screenplay for this? Is this going to be a movie? Uh, we are hoping to attract Hollywood to it. Because we it would certainly... be a great movie. And oh, I think it's we... been a while since we've, we've had something like this. So I think this would be a, a wonderful, a wonderful film and could be, you know, could really be an eye opener too about even the different, uh, advances, you know, the medical advances, the cultural legacies, the, all the different things that all the different characters in it have brought. And also there's that whole Wild West experience in there with the you know sheriffs what? and deputy sheriffs and the horses and oh the yeah staff. and you know look at the range of white people that w- that we met not only in norfolk but on the trail didn't you just love clemmy i mean he's looking for god in this cave out there. i loved you know? him i loved him and i was shocked he didn't want to go along with I them know. you know I and but know. the thing is is that there was a lot of goodness and that's yes. what you see too there was a lot of good and uh, and i like that no matter what the circumstances, the characters, except for a couple of the characters, I, I don't, <laughs> I don't think Deputy Sheriff ever, oh, Gates. Ever, I, Gates mean, I don't think he ever aspired to be good. Gates. I think he, <laughs> he, he just, he had a bee in his, uh, spur. But don't you know, we understand him. I mean, we don't like him. People, I mean, uh, and, and for, you know, every time I, I do a book club, I mean, the people just tell me, you know, what, why didn't you just take out a gun and shoot that man, you know? But I mean, we understand Gates. Look at the background he came from. Could he well, have been any different? I love the fact that how uh, Mary, the, the many different ways that Mary wasn't quite trying to kill him, but to <laughs> keep him at bay. And no matter what, despite him being shot or black widows or or whatever, he just kept to coming. You know, he just and kept you know to what? coming. My grandmother said, you know, because Mary wasn't a killer. My grandmother oh, said oh. the best way to defeat an enemy is to make him hurt himself, and that's precisely what she did every step of the way, didn't she? Oh, I mean, yeah, she, she was making those him. traps, and you know. And I loved. I also this is another thing I love so much about the book, but I love the fact that here she had grown up as a very refined woman, had been you know brutally beaten when she was a child, so she had that that limp and had to have her cane and so but as a kid she had been taught self-defense and she'd been right. taught to live in the woods so right. here's exactly. this very 
lovely, refined designer of high fashion, you know, as big as Paris fashion, out in the woods, you know, gathering herbs and making soups and and eating with a scallop bowl when she meets, you know, the next guy. Anyway, there's so much in this book. I would recommend anyone pick up a copy, The Treason of Mary Levestra. It's by My Haley. And uh, Dr. Haley's website is myhaleyauthor.com. Why don't you wrap it up for us, Dr. Haley? What would you like to leave as your your final thoughts on the treason of Mary Louvestre? Well, what I would tell you is that this book is the first of six, and by the time we get we finish get finished with six, we will be to the present day of Mary's line, and we will be looking at a very little-known aspect of black America. Very few people know about the existence of these blacks in this country today who are affecting um, uh, our lives in wonderful, wonderful ways, and um, they're very powerful people, but they're also very private and very quiet people, but we come all the way across um, telling the story of all of us, all of our connections. You cannot tell the story of black America without telling the story of white America. And if when we get to book six, I think that um, we will all experience a triumph together. As well, this truly is, you know, uh, roots going to another roots with the treason of Mary Louvestre then. It, it's, it's definitely... When you're bringing us up to modern day, it is the story of America and ordinary, extraordinary people really making a change for the better. Yes. Well, yes. thank you, Dr. Haley, for joining us here on Star Style, Be the Star You Are. It has been an absolute pleasure to speak with you and to read the book. And I'm looking forward to the movie and the next five books. Well, thank you so much. Thank you, and thank you for having me on your show. Oh, my pleasure. <laughs> it was really, really fun. Well, we'll be right back in a bit with just a short a short little few words about philanthropy. My name is Cynthia Bryan. This show is Star Style, Be the Star You Are. The book you've been, we've been talking about, The Treason of Mary Levestra, and the author, Dr. Mai Haley. Stay with me. I'll be right back. Be the star you Change your world. Change your life. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com This business of show business is calling out to me. Get started acting or modeling with a consultation from media coach extraordinaire Cynthia Bryant, who has guided entertainment careers for over two decades. Call 925-377-STAR or visit www.cynthiabryan.com. Pick up a copy of her award-winning book, The Business of Show Business, and start living your dreams today. Call 925-377-STAR. 925-377-STAR. Be the star you are. Light up the flame. Make a world of difference in a world of differences when you support Be the Star You Are 501c3, a literacy and positive media charity dedicated to empowering women, families, and youth. Visit bethestarur.org to make a tax deductible donation today. Everyone counts. Donate today. 
BeTheStarYouAre.org. Be the lucky star you and jumpstart your dreams with positive, life-changing interviews and star-studded conversations on our award-winning program, Star Style, Be the Star You Are, hosted by the passion, purpose, and possibility producer, Cynthia Bryan. Now, back to the power party. Find all you need in a light that shines. Well, the secret to every success truly lies in seeing where you want to go, and you just heard Dr. Mai Haley, and she knows where she is going, and we're all going to keep on going. We only have a couple minutes left, so I just wanted to give you a couple of tips about being a philanthropist, because it doesn't matter who you are or how much you have. Each one of us has the ability to be a change maker and to make a difference in the world. A philanthropist is someone who gives anything, money, time, experience, skills, or networks to create a better world. So... We want to dispel that notion that you need to have mega bucks to be a philanthropist. You, it's important just to help people from all backgrounds, all ages, all passions. And to make your giving more meaningful and have a bigger impact, you need to be proactive rather than reactive. You want to be strategic rather than just sympathetic or collaborative rather than isolated. Because today's problems really demand increasing complex solutions. And philanthropic resources are so stretched. I know here at Be The Star You Are, every month we wonder if we're going to make it to the next month. And because all of us are volunteers here. So any money that you donate to Be The Star You Are goes 100% to the programs that we provide, including bringing you this radio show, Star Style, Be The Star You Are, and our teen show, Express Yourself Teen Radio, trying to bring positive program to the airwaves. You can find out more information if you go to great nonprofits about who are the nonprofits and charities that are highly rated. Again, to tout uh, Be the Star You Are's horn, for the last four years, we have won top nonprofit, which is really great, which means we're doing what we say we want to do. So smart givers generally don't react just to knee-jerk things. Make sure that you really care about the nonprofit that you do support. But whatever you do, make sure to give back. Confirm a 501c3 501c3 status because that's how you get your tax deductions. Make sure to ask for tax deductions. We always send out a tax receipt immediately. And I'll tell you how you can make a donation today. You can go to bethestarur.org or btsya.org. Those are just the initials of our charity, Be the Star you are and um, you'll get a tax deduction and you know you'll know that we are legitimate we've been on the air now for 15 years and we have done all kinds of great work as well as donating 1.7 million dollars in resources to disaster areas schools shelters and those in need so we want to empower women families and youth well it's time to say goodbye to all our family so thank you for being great listeners and allowing Heather and I into your lives each week. Make sure you are tuned right here to Star Style, Be the Star You Are on the Voice America Empowerment Network. 
so that we can help you make your dreams come true. For more information about Star Style Productions, if you want to buy any of the books I've written or book a coaching consultation, you can call our office, 925-377-STAR, or visit starstyleradio.com. Our aim is always to encourage, inspire, inform, amuse, and motivate. So see beyond your physical being and know you're already a star. And read a book this week and make it be the story that Dr. Mai has written. It is just an amazing, an amazing book, The Treason of Mary Levestra. And until next week, when we celebrate again, remember that love always wins, kindness always prevails, and smiles keep us happy. My name is Cynthia Bryan for Star Style, thanking you and encouraging you. Be the star you are. Until next week. Be the star you are. The star you are. Be the star you are. You are the star. Be the star you are. Keep caring. It's been a pleasure bringing you our life-changing program, Star Style. Be the star you are. We have you on our radar as it's our goal to inspire, inform, entertain, and motivate you to be the star you were born to be. For more information, visit www.starstyleradio.com. And to make a donation to the charity, go to www.bethestarur.org. Ignite the flame that burns brightly within. Take charge of your life and coach yourself to success with our dynamic hosts, Cynthia Bryan and Heather Brittany, every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time, right here on the Voice America Empowerment Channel for another serving of champagne for the spirit and a power boost to live with star style. Until we celebrate together next week, be the star you are. You are.